0: Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman The place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Gorleski and Ryan Cody Talk about life, work, comics and booze Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show And online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking While you're listening to the show Go on yourself, big man one of the most interesting phenomenons of human beings is our creativity, right? I mean, our ability to transform the world, our ability to imagine new possibilities, our ability to probe the perimeters of possibility, remix them. Per-
1: Hi, everyone. This is Ryan. On today's show, Scott and I discuss an article that attempts to explain the dichotomy of the creative mind in 10 different traits and how those traits apply to us directly. First off, however, let me tell you about our wonderful sponsor and a couple great podcast partners we have. Samurai Comics is the absolute best comic shop in the world. That's my completely unbiased opinion. They have three locations in the Phoenix area and sell everything from comics to t-shirts, cards for gaming, toys, and so much more. The staff are friendly and knowledgeable, and you can check them out on Facebook at Samurai Comics or at SamuraiComics.com. If you need a little chaser after listening to this episode, then check out Panels and Pizza. Every Wednesday, host Adam Vermillion is joined by creators from the Twin Cities comic scene to talk comics and eat pizza. Panels and Pizza, the only comic book podcast featuring comic book creators shooting the breeze over pepperoni and cheese, only on the Fancy Pants Gangsters Network at FancyPantsGangsters.com. And Comic Exposure is another podcast that we like. It's hosted by Josh and Travis, and they invite comic and non-comic readers alike to join them for their comic book club. It's like a book club, but with comics. They bring on different guests for their roundtable discussion on a variety of comic books, and when they're not diving deep into a trade or graphic novel, on their comic book club episodes, they talk comics, pop culture, life, and maybe even interview a comic creator or two for what they call their variant episodes. You can check them out by searching for Comic Exposure on your preferred podcast app or by going to comicexposure.com where you can find new shows along with an archive of past episodes. Follow them on Twitter at Comic Exposure or on Facebook at Facebook.com Comic Exposure. So thanks for listening, and here's this week's episode. <laughs>
2: And the fridge runs nonstop, and the heater's like super loud. So last time we recorded here, I had a constant like buzz on my end.
0: Not hope... from the drink.
2: No. Uh. Uh-uh. uh Today I might get a buzz though. I'm. I'm so. In honor of our twentieth uh, episode that we're recording right now, I'm doubling down, and I got a uh, little glass of Jameson here, and Ooh. I'm gonna chase that with uh, the new Belgium Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA, which. I think just came out because it's everywhere. It's at every grocery store I've been to in the last week. It's at every liquor store. I think they just released like three different beers under this voodoo ranger title. Um, But I was drawn to it by the artwork. It's got some really cool artwork, like a skeleton with like an aviation uh, goggles on and a, one of those like aviation style hats and shit. It's pretty cool. I couldn't figure out who drew it. I Googled it, but nothing came up, but uh anyways that's what i'm drinking Uh, today
0: i was going to mention how much i dislike the artwork
2: of course because you hate everything but uh this is this is actually the last of the six packs so i've had five of these over the last week uh they're nine percent so they're stronger than the regular ipa and i really dig them but i'll talk more about that at the end of the show um since you didn't take my advice on what to drink today what, what do you have in front of you today
0: uh, I have got a bottle of Sierra Nevada Sidecar Orange Pale Ale, so we'll see. i pretty sure I had said previously that my IPA journey was at an end. I mean, this is this is not an IPA.
2: No, that's like a little baby. Like it's the, an orange
0: PA. The,
2: right, it's an orange PA.
0: I, you can smell the orange on the nose, but.
2: Does it have any characteristics of the cocktail the sidecar or is it just no, no, name?
0: I you know, I was hoping so. Like maybe it was uh was, uh Asian you know, brandy casks or some shit, but no, no, it's just ale brewed with orange peel with natural flavors added. So it's just beer with orange flavors.
2: Well, all right. Uh all right, so two beers today, and I know that I like mine, but we'll we'll see how you fall on the spectrum at the end of the show. You don't ever like them. So we'll see. This might be a first. Today's topic was, uh, recommended by you. You sent me a link to an article that I based my entire, uh, episode notes on. So I hope, hope we're on the same page there, but it was the the title of the article was the psychology of creative people. And it's a psychology com article.
0: Yeah. It's actually called the creative personality from psychology today by, uh, Mahali six zent Mahali, maybe sorry
2: oh Mihaly. she's gonna
0: be so mad yeah but this is this is our article from july 1st 1996 oh i didn't realize it was
2: that old i guess i guess the date's right there in the link i could have figured it out so
0: yeah i mean i'm sure in the in the 20 years since humans have evolved and none of this None of this is uh, accurate. No, I don't know anymore. about that.
2: Uh, so I went through and and really made a point on all ten of their points, even if it's just a sentence. And I think a lot of it still rings true. I don't know if you if you feel the same way, but um, let's just start with the the first line they have. I'm not going to read the entire thing. It's a long article, and each of these uh, paragraphs are fairly long. But I kind of took the choice line from each one. And uh, number one, it talks about yeah.
0: Yeah, so should we tell them what these are? Uh,
2: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Like, okay. Because the article says that there are 10 antithetical traits that often present in creative people. So these are going to be, um, you know, 10 personality contradictions.
2: Okay, is that what antithetical means?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, and, and also I chose this article hoping to have my wife on as as a guest because she has a psychology degree but uh that was a no go so we're gonna fuss and fumble our way through a lot of these things i think yeah go ahead do uh let's get into number one all right cool sound
2: effect number one uh creative people have a great deal of physical energy but they're often quiet but they're also often quiet and at rest they work long hours with great concentration While while projecting an aura of freshness and enthusiasm,
0: check. Okay, so my thought don't don't forget the superior physical endowment. Check. Yes, (laughs) like an elephant. So,
2: I think that most of this, most of those those initial thoughts are true. Um, you can't have a career as a working artist. You can have a career as a hobby artist and be lazy, but you can't have a career as a working artist who makes their living off of their creativity and be lazy. I mean, even if you're not working, I mean, there's lots of days where I don't work maybe a full eight hours a day, but that doesn't mean I'm not constantly, my my gears aren't constantly going and I'm constantly thinking about work. I mean, I probably think about work or the work I'm behind on or how I'm going to tackle a certain project. You know, I'm thinking about that nearly every waking minute. So, you know, it's not lazy in the sense of we're not digging
0: ditches, but Now, when you say you're thinking about your work, are you stressing about the work done or are you creatively thinking about it, chewing on, you know, perspective in this one panel or how am I going to, you know, break up this action over this many panels?
2: Right. It depends on like right now I'm stressing about everything because I'm so far behind on so many projects. But, you know, if I have a day where I'm going to concentrate and I only have to do one page that day and it's going to be a fun page, then my mind the whole night before and the whole morning before I start work is spinning on how can I how can I work this page to the best? How can I make this page look the best I can possibly make it rather than I got to get this page done so I can start another page or I got to get this page done so I can drive my kids somewhere. So it can be both. Uh, currently, the last couple months, it's heavily stress-related. But still, I still consider – I mean, I can probably not draw a single line and still feel like I worked all day because – I'm I'm planning, I'm scheming, I'm thinking. Um unfortunately those things don't pay the bills, but it's still putting in the time towards for lack of a better word craft, which I hate I hate that I just said that, but so my my other note is, you know, most some people they work their 8 hours, they go home, they they make dinner, they watch TV, they go to bed. I don't ever my brain never clocks out. I'm constantly thinking about either the work I have to do, the work I just did, or work I need to book for the future. So, I mean, I think most most professional artists are constantly thinking about work.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably pretty true. Maybe, I would say, maybe 80% of the time that I'm not physically working, I am thinking about work. You know, 50% of that, 80% is probably stress over the work that needs to be done, but the other half is probably chewing on stuff, trying to figure out how can I do this better, or how do I do that effectively, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. Creative people that I know anyway tend to put in the time necessary. You know, whether anything gets done in that time is it's a different question. But um I guess you could say that of, of any kind of passionate pursuit. But I suppose you could also argue that any any pursuit of passion is also a creative endeavor. I can't think of anything else. I mean, I guess if you're an attorney in You really dig law, putting in the hours to be a better lawyer is sort of the same. Though I don't really see the creative, that that takes a creative personality. But I I think this can be said of of any job that you're passionate about, regardless of the amount of creativity that is required
2: right this 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 could this specific trait could apply to anybody who wants to be successful at what they do it doesn't have to be
0: yeah and it, it yeah yeah I, i'm not going to get into the rest of it i i'm in some other points here i, I think we're going to start seeing a pattern of uh something that that rings a little hollow but we'll we'll come to that in the next couple here so go ahead let's do number two. number
2: two creative people tend to be smart yet naive at the same time divergent thinking leads to no agreed upon solution it involves fluency or the ability to generate a great quantity of ideas flexibility or the ability to switch from one perspective to another and originality and picking unusual association of ideas all right so what i wrote yeah what i wrote is that and this might not even make sense now that i'm reading it but i i wrote that these ideas kind of relate in That I think if if people are just book smart and intellectual, that reasoning alone would lead them to not be in a creative field. Like if you're raised to be an earner and you got to support your family and you got to do all this shit, you're probably not going to lean towards the arts. We'd all be bankers and we'd all have steady jobs and we'd all be comfortable and, you know, have a have a boat or a fucking, you know, vacation home or something like that. There's inherent risk in trying to make a living as an artist and Creative people are always thinking, conspiring, and 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 trying to think of new ideas and new projects to get them to that next creative high or that next paycheck or that next milestone, as opposed to like a promotion at a car sales job or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that and that's something that ninety nine percent of the world uh, it isn't going to understand, right? I mean, every you know people that are you know tellers at a bank or desk jockey. CPA or, or whatever, somebody that that is not uh, doesn't have a, a, an art calling, or I guess that uh, that depends on the um, art to make uh, to make their living. Um, it I I wrote down that this is false for me personally. I think um, it, as far as people tending to be smart yet naive um i'm an intensely skeptical person so i don't feel that i get duped very often this is probably me tooting my own horn but i i think i am of above average intelligence uh i'm not a smart guy by any sense i don't have any real formal education in anything i i don't think i would test well in anything but I don't consider myself naive, and in like in the circles I walk in online with with other creative people, it seems to be the same for them that they're not, they don't seem to be easily misled. Yeah, I th- I think and, and, and this is this is the beginning of the thing that I was talking about where this list to me is going to start reading like a horoscope, where where it's sort of hedging its bets. So creative people are smart, but they're also you know not 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 really smart. Right. It's like you know. You know, today uh, an opportunity you know will present itself. But if it doesn't, then look for it tomorrow. It's, it's going to start that sort of shit.
2: Yeah, I think the, I think in it, the way I interpreted it was that the use of the word naive meant we all know that there are easier ways to make a living and to raise families and shit like that. But we still strive to to make the living or to with through. Through our creative endeavors. That's what I took it. I didn't mean. I didn't
0: take it to mean like uh,
2: we don't don't know any better.
0: That's true. And now. Yeah. Now thinking about it. When I think about the use of the word naive. um, Maybe that creative people. Tend to be more intelligent. But also maybe not so cognizant of. The way the rest of the world works and thinks
2: yeah i mean like you know the smart thing for the smartest thing i could have done in my life was join the military at 18 and i would be retiring now but i didn't do that although i knew that i knew that that would probably be the best thing as far as stability and all that good shit that would have been the best thing for me to do but you know Maybe I was naive enough to know, to think that I wouldn't be happy with that. So let me go another route. So that's how I interpret that. Uh, but I, I do think that I don't, I don't know if creative people are necessarily smarter than everyone else because I don't know what that means really, but I don't know any creative people who are fucking idiots. So it do, I don't think the pendulum swings both ways. I don't think, I, I don't think you can be a moron and be a, uh, a, a creative person with genuine ideas and thoughts and actions.
0: Yeah, and I I think one of the standards that you have to judge success by in the arts is financial success as well. So you don't hear about, you know, the artists that are you know living on the streets and you don't you don't hear about the guys who aren't successful in a business sense because they're never going to get their names into anything. So, I don't know what I'm trying to say. All all of the most successful creative people I've ever come across, whether it be musicians or, you know, traditional artists or whatever, special effects guys, comedians, whatever, anybody who is in any creative field for profit are uh, the people at the top. I always find extremely intelligent and uh, uh, you're not going to get to that point. Yeah, without being, I agree
2: a hundred percent. All right. So number three, creative people combine playfulness and discipline or responsibility and ir- irresponsibility. Yeah. I mean it for me personally. Sure. I, 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 I've often put off paying work to work on stuff that is more fun uh, you know, I'm recording a podcast in the middle of the day right now. That tells you kind of that idea, you know, and I procrastinate a lot. But when it when it comes down to it and I need to buckle down and get to work to get paid on a Friday, I do, uh, even though recently, so recently I'm behind on work. But previous to that, I've never really blown deadlines or anything like that. So I, I do think you can be creative and be both responsible and irresponsible at the same time. And you just, it just... You got to be responsible, and you got to be committed, and you got to have the work ethic when it's time to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that the definitions that we think of for responsible and irresponsible are at play here. I I like the um, the idea presented more in the terms of playfulness and discipline rather okay. than sp- responsible and irresponsible. Um, because in you know if you are a working creative person you need that sense of playfulness if everything is just you know black and white cut and dry there's a formula for everything then nothing is ever going to be fun your imagination is never going to capture the imagination of the audience so i tend to see it in that sense so when you sit down and you're working on a page you obviously depending on you know the material and the intent like if you're drawing an issue of whatever the avengers you want it to be playful but you also need that discipline to be able to effectively communicate that that sense of 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 joy and fun and that discipline comes in and knowing what you do and how you do it how you can achieve it so that dis- the, the playfulness is the idea and the discipline is the execution of that idea for an audience that's that's how i'm interpreting this
2: you know you can't be i don't know if you could be successful just being one or the other so if you want to be an artist and everything is like oh let's fucking go crazy and do these crazy ideas and just have fun all the time you're going to be you're going to be having a lot of fun as a hobbyist and the other way if you don't ever relax and have fun and and experiment and enjoy what you're doing and everything is just work 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 I mean then you're just essentially you know you're almost like a you might as well work behind a desk somewhere and just do anything to pay the bills so
0: right and there's in the article here there's a nice quote from uh, Nina Holton who was a sculptor apparently and she says that, tell anybody you're a sculptor, and they'll say, oh, how exciting, how wonderful. But then she tends to say, what's so wonderful? It's like being a mason or a carpenter half the time, but they don't want to hear about that stuff because they, the the romantic part of that is just being it and the idea of being it. So, it, it which goes back to what I was saying, The the ideas are the playful part, but then – You know, an idea is not anything to anybody else if it's not executed for an audience, and that's where the work. I agree. The
2: discipline, and I, I think, um, I mean, you know, if if you had to, if I had to look at these two factors on a sliding scale, I would say discipline is a little more important than playfulness. If if your goal is to pay your bills doing it, you know, if you if you have the luxury of just working on your own comics, and regardless of how well they sell, you could still work on them and tell your stories then that's great and that's, you know, that is something that I think we all strive to do. But if you have to put food on a table and you have to put gas in the car and you have to pay your bills, then I think discipline has to be as important or more important for working, you know, a working artist, not not a hobbyist or anything like that. All right. So true. Number four creative people and my notes get thinner and thinner as we go along here. I wrote a full paragraph for the first couple three, but it's getting That's shy it. here. So I'm going to lean on you a little bit, but number four, creative people alternate between imagination and fantasy and a rooted sense of reality. I just, all I did my only note on this is you have to believe in the work that you're doing, but you also have to be realistic about the audience that it's going to reach and the goals of the project. So don't get too high on yourself and think you're fucking fantastic and then be upset when the book doesn't sell. That's how I look at it. Um, so I don't know, pump yourself up, but be realistic about the goals of the book. You know, very, you know, very few are going to be super successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To me, I think this kind of, you can lump it together with the last point about ideas and discipline. Um, having those ideas and being disciplined enough that in the real world to be able to profit off of those ideas, you, you need to be reasonable and have a, at least a, like a rudimentary business acumen. I think for this one, what did I write down? I think you can also apply this to like creative storytelling. You can take it at, um, at face value and when you say imagination fantasy in a sense of reality so if you're drawing whatever uh x-men you're drawing people flying around and some guy with wings and another one who's got blue fur and stuff to be able to root that in reality to be able to make it relatable to an audience takes you know a certain skill so this can mean all sorts of things um it, you know living in your own head and in your own imagination um, but presenting that to you know an audience Um, yeah there's a lot of things in this particular one that I don't like too much I think a lot of it is true but I, I think this you could knock this point out and just and just talk about point three again and say all the same things it is repetitive a bit
2: this number five is kind of kind of dead on and something that I, that I noticed without being aware of it at, at a very early age. <clears throat> and that is uh creative people tend to be both extroverted and introverted. So this is where the power of social media comes in and things like that. So personally, I love putting on events, promoting my work online. You know, I like to, I like to, for lack of a better term, host events, get people together get creative people together and all that shit. But I'm not exactly, people would never call me a friendly person or like, you know, at my funeral, no one's ever going to say like, he was such a fucking amazing, nice guy. You know, I put on these events with artists that I know that I've known for 10 years and I might not say more than two words to them the whole time. You know, even though I'm excited to get everyone together and promote our work together and look at everyone's work, I still have a hard time holding holding conversations even with peers and people that I know. And to the point of like when I was younger and I moved to Arizona and I didn't know anybody, I almost created a persona of someone who was very outgoing just to make friends and and meet people. And that's really not who I was in real life. And I think that's kind of that's kind of the persona I take on social media and shit like that. Like, oh, I'm really outgoing. I want to talk to everybody But when I'm in a room with you, you're probably going to think I'm an asshole. And there's there's truth behind that.
0: I wrote down in my notes here that I think this, this point personally is false, um, that they that creative people tend to be both extroverted and inverted. I, I am not extrovert at all. I am 1,000% introverted. Uh, I'm only able to talk to you like I am right now because I've known you for whatever, right you know, eight years or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you get me in a room full of people I don't know or, or even like a room full of my wife's friends and, you know, I'll get 10 words out five hours. It's just, it's just right. not going to happen. So,
2: I mean, that's where, that's where I would, I would, I have that persona that I will put on that. I'm, you know, the, the funny guy and I get along with everybody and we can, I can talk sports in general and shit like yeah, that. Good
0: for you. I mean, you're, you're putting it in, but it's, it's uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, you well, you got to put in an effort. It's got kinda...
0: uh, it, it's worked for me so far.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I
0: think that might be debatable. Socially, I do the bare minimum, but that's a struggle, though. That that that's not natural for me. That's that's not a conscious. I it, it's not that. A lot of times, it's not that I don't want to do that stuff, but I can't.
2: Yeah, I could see that, and I come across it. So I, I use the. I I talked a few minutes ago about you know, having kind of a false bravado with social media and stuff like that. It's happened to where, you know, on social media or on on Facebook, on Twitter, I can go back and forth with other creators that I don't personally really know and we can have full discussions and then a month later or even a week later, I'll see them at a convention and I won't even say hi to them because I think, oh, they don't, they don't want to say hi to, they don't want me about, you know, me bugging them. They have better things or better people to talk to than me. So, It'll even be like two days before I get on a flight to go out to Charlotte. I'll be like, Hey man, I'll see you in heroes. Like, yeah, cool. And then I'll walk right past their table twice a day for four days and not even say hi. And I think that's relatively common in our industry where it's so much easier to, to have a different outgoing persona online than it is in person. And I think even amongst other creative people, it can be hard to have conversations and hold conversations unless you feel really comfortable.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think that's it might also be another key to success in our in our particular business. I would, I'm perfectly comfortable sitting by myself for 10 or 12 hours a day and not talking to anybody, not getting up, not going outside, not seeing another human being. I'm fine with I could do that for I, I'm i a little scared to think of how long I could go without human contact. My My guess it's a long goddamn time. well that's
2: the way the world is heading that's a good trait to have because in the not too distant future you know you might have to spend a lot of time by yourself hold up in a bunker somewhere you know hunting rabbits whereas i'm gonna die because i need a hug like (laughs) once or twice a day you know like i'm gonna die okay uh all right so yeah um number six Unless you have thoughts still on
0: the introvert, extrovert. No, no, that's it. All
2: right.
0: All right. I don't Number want to talk six. about it anymore.
2: <laughs> Scott's sad. Number six. Creative people are humble and proud at the same time. It is remarkable to meet a famous person who you expect to be arrogant, only to encounter sef- self-deprecation and shyness instead. There was a quote in there, On the Shoulders of Giants and their respect for an area in which they work makes them aware of the long line of previous contributions to it. My only thought on this comment is I find it hard to be vocally or even selfishly proud of most of my work. So the, the, I, I, I I am not, I, I, I fall on the uh, humble side of it where I'm rarely proud of the work I do. And I still get, I don't fanboy out, but I'm still in awe of how much better Almost everyone else is than me, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I fall on that. I'm aware of how much better. Every, so the the shoulders of giants is they're all so much better than me, and I'm aw- I'm every day it's made perfectly aware to me. Yeah, and I
0: it, I guess it, I don't know anybody that's humble because of that. I mean, when somebody says, "Oh, I I, I like the way you drew this hand," and I'll I'll have to say, "Oh, well, you know." Uh, you know, John Busema drew it a lot better than me, so I can't be proud of that. That, that sounds like garbage. I, I think this is true, that people are both humble and proud. It, you can't, it, I mean, you, you have to be proud enough to let people see it, right? To It, it takes a, a degree of pride to put yourself out there, to put your work out there, um, knowing that it's going to be criticized. Uh, but humble enough to to not dwell on stuff right yeah it doesn't let you rest on your laurels especially in something like what we do where where it's all production based you know if you if you're gonna sit around and and just uh look at your stuff and think to yourself how wonderful it is uh a you're you're not gonna work and two you know there's no incentive to get better
2: yeah and Right. So I, I, I I agree. I agree with that. Like you have to have, like I look at my own stuff and I look at myself as a serviceable artist who can get the job done. But then that, that other part digs in where I'm like, Oh, but it's not as good as artists A, B, C, D and E. So then I, you know, I get mad, not mad at myself, but then I'm like, you know, I get down on myself, but you're right. Then, you know, then the world turns the next day starts. And if I want to get paid, I got to do it again, whether I'm proud of what I'm doing or not. Uh, ultimately, you know, the client has to be happy with them, um, with what I'm doing, not me. If I only cared about being happy with what I was doing, I, you know, I'd be living in my parents' basement because I wouldn't be making right. a living at what I do.
0: Yeah. And I, I got to say, I'm not, I don't think I'm, I wouldn't say I'm proud of any of my personal work, like my contributions to something, I'm I'm proud of collaborations. I'm proud of finished work. Uh, I'll hold that stuff up, but um, I, I I always see my contribution in those collaborations as being the weakest link. And it, that doesn't necessarily drive me to do better, consciously. But but I think, um, probably subconsciously, yeah, um, it, it's a motivator to keep going. So is so is eating, and just being, right. just being creative in general.
2: So I do, you know, now that we are now that we've talked about a little bit, I do actually take pride, not in my work, but I do take a lot of pride in the fact that when, when I pay my bills and I buy groceries and, you know, I provide for my family, I take pride in the fact that I can do that in a, by working in a creative field. Uh, that's, that's something that, that fills me with pride every month when, when rent gets paid, I actually think like I did this doing something that most people don't do, aren't willing to risk to do or couldn't do. And that gives me, that gives me pride. I don't know. Do you ever feel that sort of, um, you're, you're supporting your family through your art.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I I remember the first time I ever got paid for something. I think I ended up buying, buying bunk beds for my kids. And as I was putting them together, I was, I was very happy to know that, that you know, my art gave them a place to sleep. Uh, that was years and years ago, and that's worn off. Yeah, I I think if I think about having the job, like like no one else in the world draws covers for Copperhead. I, I'm the only person, and that fills me with a certain degree of pride. Very rarely am I am I ever proud of a mark I make on the page. But we're getting into different degrees of things. Generally, yeah, I, I I would say I'm proud to be doing what I'm doing and being able to support my family doing it. But I also don't want to talk about it, right? I mean, co- compliments, right. compliments, yeah, compliments I can't take. I almost I almost would rather have the criticism. You know, I, I had somebody tell me that what whatever piece they were looking at reminded them of Alex Toth, and I called them a liar to their face. So that, that's. <laughs> that 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 was that was the point where i told myself all right you you got to get over this uh even if you don't mean it you just say thank you and you move on
2: yeah because that's that that's that old saying that and we might have talked about this too but it's the old thing where if someone tells you they like it and you tell them it's not good you're telling them that they're exactly. dumb or they don't under yes. they don't appreciate it so you you have to learn to just say thank you and appreciate it and take it for what it is so I agree. And then I'm going to I'm gonna talk about this with number nine also, but a little precursor, a little foreshadowing. Be wary of someone who's way too humble or way too proud. Be wary of that guy. All right. So be proud, but be humble. Be more humble than proud, I think. Creative people. This, this one I didn't really quite understand. I kind of tried to put it into context for me personally, um, but it says creative people to an extent escape rigid gender role stereotyping. I'm sure, I'm sure this has different, uh, different prominence for everybody. To me, the way I interpreted it, this, I, you know, I'm not like a super macho man, like a beard, pussy football kind of guy, but I'm very sort of typical straight male to where I like sports. I like drinking and I like typical male associated things. Um, but I'm not. Feminine does feminism doesn't scare me, and gay people don't scare me, and shit like that. So I don't know if that's kind of where she's interpreting this, or, or what she really well, means by
0: this. So the next sentence in number seven, after that, when she sorts of put, puts this um, this point in perspective, it says, "When tests of masculinity slash femininity are given to young people over and over, one finds that creative and talented girls." are more dominant and tough than other girls and creative boys are more sensitive and less aggressive than their male peers. Um, I found this to be true for me. I was always the, the shy, sensitive, quiet kid. Um, I guess I still am. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've never been a a young girl, so I I don't know if that's true. I, I mean, I think my wife's pretty creative and, uh, She is far more dominant and tough than I am.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it, it makes sense in the fact that if you're a young boy, who's into art and into books, I mean, it all goes hand in hand. If you're into art, you're into reading, you're into movies, you're into all that stuff. You're not outside playing football. You're not outside, you know, racing bikes necessarily all the time. You're not outside doing things that are considered typically boyish. And on the other side of the coin, for a woman or a young girl to get any sort of equal footing in this world they have to be brash and out loud and in your face. So, uh the example in the article I think is kind of dead on.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I um, this particular point rings true for me anyway.
2: All right. Well, everyone's going to want to give you a hug next time they see you if they listen to this.
0: Please don't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Creative people are both rebellious and conservative is number eight. How this how this reflects on me personally, I would say I'm pretty conservative in how I act and how I live my life. But overall, my views are very liberal. But I don't think being liberal is being rebellious. I think it's being intelligent. So I think number eight is the weakest point in this whole article. Uh, that was my comment. This is weak. Um. I, it, it goes with, let me jump in, let me finish this. It goes with, uh, like, I don't, I I have no time for people who constantly try to tell you how weird and, coo- like, how weird they are or how much of a geek they are. I don't have time for that shit. Like, I don't go around telling people how much of a not-geek I am, even though I work in comics and I watch sci-fi and love Harry Potter. I, I'm weary of anyone who constantly has to kind of tell you who they are. And so... I I don't know how this No,
0: it, really reflects no I on get me. this and I think it is a true point. Um I think I the only example I can think of is our finding um new ways to work inside the box. I, when I read this a quote popped into my head. I think it was Todd McFarlane that I had read once said that uh if you only ever read comics and you only ever study comic book art um you're never going to do anything better than that. It might be as good as the stuff you're looking at, but it's never going to be a better or, or different from the stuff if you do, you've exposed yourself to. Um so I, I think about it in that sense. Um it if you, you know, if you just do everything the same way that everyone else does, you're never going to be seen. You know, you you're not going to have your own creative voice. Um, so if you're not pushing the boundaries within whatever medium you're choosing, then yeah, I mean, that's almost, that's, that's death that it, it's fine for you, but nobody outside of you is ever going to give a shit about what you're doing.
2: Well, where do you, where do you think the, the, the dichotomy, the conservative comes in? Is well, the, when, is that the pay in the bills? Well, when, when I, when I read or? that,
0: I think. I'm going to relate it to comics. So comics have, there's a language and there are rules and the rebelliousness I think comes to what kind of language you use and what rules you choose to break and when does that make sense?
2: Yeah. You're right. So you're, you're you're going to
0: push layout here, but you're going to bring it back into a grid for this, or you're going to break a panel here, but you're going to do a silhouette for this. Um, yeah, getting back to comics as a language, you get you have to know when to use an ellipsis and when to use an exclamation point.
2: Right. You got yeah, you got to know how to push the boundaries within a medium that's understood, you don't, Right. Yeah, books are published in certain ways, books are expected to be read in certain ways.
0: Yeah, um yeah, uh, the most creative uh, it, I don't remember where I heard this or who it was from, but the gist of it was you can't be creative without boundaries. Otherwise, it's it's just it's just boundless, stupid shit that has that has no context. Right. You, You can't you can't break out if there's not already a box.
2: There you go. I like that quote. Can't break out if there's not already a box. Uh, and now, now that i am now that I've read eight of these, I am kind of getting on board with your sort of horoscope mentality. It's like creative people are both tall and short. That's right. Uh, you know? Yeah. So, uh, right. All right. Number nine. Um, and this is one that I harp on nonstop kind of is most creative people are very passionate about their work and this is just a repeat of the humble and, uh, whatever the humble and proud it's it's just a repeat of that one but most creative people are very passionate about their work yet they can be extremely objective about it as well this is my number one case and i talk about it all the time but i am always cautious of anyone who i'm not saying you have to talk shit about your own work or downplay your own talents but don't constantly tell me how great you are and how everything you do is fantastic and how everything you're going to do is going to blow up and everyone should buy everything you do because it's amazing and blah, 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 blah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm cautious of anyone who isn't at least a little bit realistic about their own work and how they can get better. And I'm very cautious about people who obviously aren't trying to get better and they're just kind of doing what they do and they're thrilled with it. Does that make sense? It just, I mean, make just makes me sound like a fucking asshole, but that's kind of, that's where I am on that whole.
0: No, I, I, I fall into the same camp. I'm a big fan of show me, don't tell me. So if you're, if you need to, it's almost like explaining the joke, right? So don't tell me how funny it is. It's either funny or it's not. But I, I'm viewing number nine through sort of a different prism. When I read that, uh, the first thing that popped in my head was that there's always a better way of doing things. So you can be passionate. You, can, you, know, you drew that hand and you say, oh, that knuckle looks really good. You know, but don't marry yourself to that technique and that idea because there's always a better way to do it. Uh, in writing, it's sort of the, uh, the kill your darlings thing, right? So don't fall in love with anything. Because as great as you think your idea is, tomorrow you could have a better idea. And so that that's how I, I take this is that uh you know don't don't get too invested in what you do. Don't fall in love with your style or don't think too highly of yourself because it's going to change, you're gonna find better ways to do things. So be passionate, but be objective and don't, don't stunt yourself. Don't stop growing.
2: Yeah. That's I like, yeah. Yeah. I like the idea about that is, is don't, don't love what you're doing so much that you're not willing to, to learn more or to push more or anything like that. I don't know. Don't, don't find something that you do well, that's received well, and only do that for the rest of your life. You know, don't. You know, I, I got an advice from a comic book artist once, a very respected comic book artist, who told me, you know, find your niche and be that guy. You know, do these these kind of books. And and that's that, that makes sense in the idea of getting hired because when an editor or publisher is looking to hire, they're going to look at the genre, they're going to look at the type of the book, and, and a few names are going to pop into their head. But creatively, I want to draw all kinds of books. You know, I want to draw sci-fi books. I want to draw superhero books. I want to draw crime books. So, yeah, I don't I don't want to be the guy who, you know, I don't want to be the guy who only draws like uh, adventure serials from the 1940s. I mean, that's cool and all and it's fun and it has its place. And I can be proud of that work, but it doesn't mean I don't want to keep expanding and keep trying to to reach something, you know, another level or another.
0: I, I think this could also be described as be able to take constructive criticism. Yes, there's not a lot of that anymore. everybody likes to shit on everybody else, but once in a while somebody that's smarter than you comes along and says, "That's nice, but I think it could be better if you did this and this
2: yeah and i and I think I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to hear constructive criticism i mean i I enjoy it if it's somebody I mean I don't want to hear it from somebody who you know whose work I don't necessarily respect. I don't want to hear constructive criticism from them. But for the 99% of working artists who I respect and think are amazing, I would love to hear any creative criticism from them. But I think a lot of people don't seek that out. They're not comfortable getting it. They don't know how to react to it.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people that get to be where we are, where your profession is art, don't encounter that very much. If you're the kid that draws, everybody tells you, oh, you draw really well. And that that's all you hear up through forever. Uh until, you know, you go to a show and you, you think your shit don't stink and you show your portfolio to, you know, say, Tony Parker. And he, he he does in fact show you that yes, your shit does stink, but here's how you can have it stink less.
2: Yeah. No, I like that I like that uh I like that idea. And it, and I, and I wish there was more of that. I think, I think even artists are hesitant to do that even with their peers, like even with my friends in the industry, I think they flip through my portfolio and they, they're, they're being nice to me. I mean, I have other pros flip through my portfolio and they say the nicest things to me. And that's great to hear, especially when I'm down in the dumps or, you know, I'm not, I don't have a bunch of work lined up or anything like that. But I'm, I, I'm realistic enough to know that they're, they're seeing things in those pages and they're just being nice. And I think it's, I think it's okay for them to tell me like, Oh, this page is great, but this is what I would have done because then that opens a dialogue. And I, and I, I questioned why they would have made that choice and, and you know, that you get behind someone else's thought process on, on how a page is designed or laid out. And then in the future you can apply those ideas. So this, this, this brings true. You can be very passionate about your work, but also, be objective to know that everyone can do better. No one is no one is perfect.
0: Everyone can do better. That's right. Yeah, there's actually a quote in this in this point here from Natalie Davis who says, "I think it is very important to find a be- or to find a way to be detached from what you write so that you can't be so identified with your work that you can't accept criticism and response." So yeah, you know, be proud, but um, you can always do better. Yeah, so, you know, don't be a pretentious douche. Right. Well, welcome uh, welcome,
2: constructive criticism. Welcome welcome, conversation and dialogue in regards to the work you're doing would be my advice to anyone who cares to hear it. All there right. you go. Uh, number 10, creative people's openness and sensitivity often exposes them to suffering and pain, yet also to a great deal of enjoyment. So... First of all, you said this article was written in the mid nineties. I think in the mid nineties, it was a lot harder to be, you know, to be an artist to, you know, any type of flamboyant or, or out there artist. So I don't know how true this is today. And I think this quote goes to that old trope of like the overly sensitive artists suffering for their work and, you know, oh, they're, you know, you know, they're just carry a sketchbook everywhere and they listen to the cure and the Smiths and shit like that. And that's what I did in high school, but I also had a ton of friends and I went out and partied and did everything else too. Um, how this affects me is the pain and suffering that I get is in the form of stress over work and future work and financial gain. And where's this all? Why am I not making more money now than I was 10 years ago and shit like that. So that's where, that's where the pain comes from. And, specifically to me, and then the enjoyment specifically to me is in the process of working on a specific project and if I'm being paid for that project and I'm being paid well for that project, then I get extra enjoyment out of it because I am a working artist and I am realistic and yeah, I'm going to enjoy working on a book that has a higher page rate over a book that has a lower page rate. There should be... it you shouldn't have to feel bad about that as an artist because maybe, you know, you're not stretching your artistic muscles and shit like that. I mean, you said it, this is a production-based art form that I work in and that you work in and I get enjoyment out of getting fucking paid and I get sadness and pain out of worrying about getting paid in the future. And secondly, secondary to all that is how, how can I... Expand on my skill set while working on these pages, but I don't have the luxury of not worrying about the financial aspect as the number one aspect.
0: Yeah, I I get that. I I took this to mean a couple of different things. One that creative people tend to be more imaginative uh, than other folks. Um, And I think, part of having a uh, a greater imagination is being able to empathize a lot more so when you see the suffering and the pain of others i i think you're more likely to feel that that sense of empathy uh and, and deeper than other people do and the same thing with joy and uh, excitement and that sort of stuff. Um, also, I think creative people are better observers than than normal people. So sticking in our business, I mean, suffering and pain. I, I I'm. We've talked about it a couple of times. When you see, when you go to the shop and you pick up uh, a mainstream book and you look at it and you think, you know, how is this guy working? I'm, I'm better than this guy. So it pains you in that way to think that, you know, you are the superior talent to this person that, that is in a position that you would like to be in. And that's, that's painful. Totally. (laughs) Um, And, and I, also when you look at a page and something you will do a lot when you'll find tangents or you'll find things that don't work and that sort of stuff pains you you know the ca- the casual everyday reader is never going to see that stuff uh, but that's the stuff that you pick up on it's the same thing with uh with with joy and excitement when you see a really a really you know w- well-constructed 2 page splash or uh Uh, you know a a certain use of color or or a special effect here or a trick of the lettering that 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 really catches your eye people that you know things that other people don't see you know will move us one way or the other that's the second way i take this
2: yeah you um wow you really uh put some thought into that way more than i did I, i i guess by by number 10 i was just being so selfish and and how does how does this <laughs> reflect on me but yeah you're right i think uh creative people are more well i mean i think so this is going to sound this is, might sound a little bad but i think in general creative people might be a little more educated and a little more naturally adept to to learning to learning things maybe easier and and stuff like that and so i think with that slightly open aspect of learning that i think it goes with i think it goes with that like it's easy to empathize empathize with other people when you're smart enough to understand what they're going through and and
0: yeah there there's a quote in this point um where it says that inventors have a low threshold for pain that things bother them when an engineer sees a badly designed machine it causes them pain just like when a writer is hurt when reading bad prose it's the same sort of stuff, and I think reading this i found the reason why i I don't like anything like i I hate all movies because because of this you know we're we're in a field of of visual storytelling um uh, but it, it's not just that it was, we don't paint pictures so we we craft a narrative and we see enough stories and enough scripts. Uh, I think to be able to make a judgment on what's good and what's bad and what's um, being done correctly and what's not being done correctly. Um, So when we see those things, you know, you can't just sit back and enjoy the movie because I, having been a part of the creative process of, of, putting stories together and artwork and seeing it through and, and knowing the choices that go into that stuff. I just think about the the choices being made to get to the final product and say, why, well, why didn't they just do this? You make this little one change, just decide to do this instead. And it changes everything. I think number 10 here is why I hate everything so much.
2: That's why I think I would really love to be an editor. And I don't, I, I don't know if, I don't think I'm cut out to be, I don't know if I'm going to get much better than I am now. And my career isn't exactly taking off or hasn't exactly taken off. So using, using that trajectory, I don't know if I'm going to be doing what I'm doing now in five or 10 years, but I still know I could still spot problems and I can still give advice constructively. And so I think like, I would love to be an editor at some point because First of all, there's not enough editors that are artists and I don't know if almost every editor wants to be a writer. So I don't know how much thought they put into the actual art process of the page or of the story of the narrative. So yeah, it does. I I agree with you completely where when I watch something and something immediately stands out as not being something I would have decided, not being the decision I would have made and it makes the story weaker That drives me nuts. But then I also watch media and I, and I read comics and I read books that are way better than I could ever do. So it it goes both ways. Yeah.
0: And that, yeah, that's not to say that I'm right. I'm right for me. But when I go see Transformers and I, that's not a thing that's ever happened. But if I were to go see a Transformers movie and just pick out all the things that I think were wrong, I'm only right for me. You know, it's going to make a billion dollars. So there are millions of people that think it was just fine. But yeah, it, it it pains me when stuff is bad because I'm a creative person and they're creative people. No creative, nobody in any uh, any profession in any industry sets out to do a bad job. Everybody's trying to do the best they can with what they have. Um, so yeah, it, it it hurts me when when stuff is not good. You know, because I know it's just a series of choices, right? So, uh, along the way, you just you make the best choice, and uh, yeah, if you don't, then you know, I don't like it. Yeah,
2: and and it is, yeah, it's hard when you see something, and you know how easy it would be to make it better. You know,
1: those those decisions
2: could easily have gone just tweak them just slightly and the end product would be a hundred times better. But, you know, we, we have the luxury of working to where we're not, you know, our stuff is not, uh, there's no product focusing going on. There's no, you know, audience, you know, we don't have to draw a comic, have an audience look at it, then redraw the comic, have an audience look at it. Then look at shareholders, look at it. Then look at, you know, 15 editors looking at it. Uh, we, we live in a bubble where we get to create for the most part, you know, unhindered or unfettered. So Mm -hmm. I imagine it would be a lot harder with too many cooks in the kitchen, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it right. Selfishly. It doesn't make it as good as we think we could make it if we were just in charge of things.
0: Yeah. I feel like I have to meditate on this one more. Like if I, if I work through this, then I'll get over just, being a grump yeah. and hating everything, and people will want to go to the movies. Right,
2: me I tell my my wife a lot. Uh, so there's the there's the commercial for the for the manufacturer. I don't know what the fuck they are. Three uh, M, and, and their tagline is, "We don't make things; we make things better." And I always I always tell my <laughs> wife, like I should I should be the Three M of comics and of like
0: there you go. You know, like
2: I, I can't draw a book as good as you know artist A B C and D at Marvel. But I think I could give some advice that might make those books just a little bit better,
0: you know. Like like I
2: should have been I should have been one of those dudes in the '60s who worked in the bullpen, you know. And Jim Shooter would come by or somebody and toss me a fucking page, like redraw those faces. It's like okay, I can handle that. I don't want to lay. I can't lay out a page as well as this guy, but I could fucking tweak those pages or I can, you know, add a background here or there.
0: Yeah, it's all hindsight, you know. You know what you would have done. Yes. So so when you you see. The things that you wouldn't have done, yeah, it it bums you out. Yeah, it's like after we went to see Rogue One, we went with uh some friends of ours, and everybody after the movie is talking about. And then they asked me, "What do you think of it?" And it's like, you know, everybody's having such a good time. Let's let's not get into that. Well, you're a saint.
2: So overall, do you think this article rings true, more true
0: than less? I wrote down. Let's see, one, two. I guess I only had. Two points being personally false for me, which were the uh smart yet naive and the introvert and extrovert thing everything else i found some truth in personally yeah, I found it to be a fairly interesting article,
2: not i mean none of it shocked me like i didn't ring i didn't read it and, and my mind was fucking blown because they thought of something so amazing, you know it's pretty down the line and pretty even even keeled but yeah it's it's correct. For the most part, I think. All right, on to the important things. How was your your sidecar? What brewery was that again? Uh, Sierra Nevada. How was your Sierra Nevada sidecar orange something something?
0: Yeah, I think this one's a winner. I'm okay with this. I mean, it's a pale ale, so it's already got those sort of citrusy floral notes going on. But then they added the orange on top of it. It was nice. I would probably purchase again excellent you don't hear that much in
2: regards to beer on your end so that's good uh what do you normally so when we go to when we meet at the bar what, what do you normally drink kilt lifter is that what you drink when we're at the bar i can't remember
0: oh yeah. Uh, yeah it yeah. depends uh on what they got yeah guinness kilt okay. lifter um so you're yeah, not you're not actually you're not anti-beer
2: sort of... you're just anti-bitter beer i'm just anti-bad beer right. well there's
0: like i said i don't like bad things i i i cannot tolerate okay anything anything less than uh you know acceptable well I guess nobody can right that's the definition
2: i suppose uh my my voodoo Ra- my voodoo ranger is above average is what i would say i would give it a, a exceeds expectations for other harry potter nerds uh it's it's good and I would get it again it's good it's strong at nine percent it's it's a it's an enjoyable label to look at like i said I googled to try to find out who the artist was I have no idea but it's 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 a nice illustration so it was good, and of course, you know, Jameson, you can't go wrong with, with Jameson. It's a staple, so uh, I recommend My Booze as well. Do you have any uh, any upcoming shit you want to promote? Anything like that?
0: Uh, no. Uh, Lost Boys 5 came out yesterday. It'll be last Wednesday when you hear this. Uh, so, and that's all done. And uh, I'm moving on to other things. I don't know what other things are right now. It's, it's sort of, it, it's that exciting, scary sort right. of time. You know, so if there are any editors that accidentally listen to this, you know, you know, shoot me an email.
2: All right. Yeah, I don't really have anything coming out. Uh, they did announce, they finally announced that Dark Horse, the Doc Unknown hardcover, is going to come out through Dark Horse this summer, which is pretty exciting. I mean, it's going to be like a 300 plus page hardcover for like $25. So it's going to look nice on my shelf and hopefully. You know, I guess best case scenario, a bunch of people buy it and there's demand for more Doc Unknown stories and Dark Horse is willing to, you know, pony up the, the, you know, the deal for that. That would be great. But it's still nice. It's coming out this summer. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Other than that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TIG underscore show, at Ryan Cody and at Scotty God. And you can always go to tigshow.com for all the episodes and... You're more than welcome to click on the Buy the Guys Around link and send us some money via PayPal uh, for the booze that we imbibe. Yeah. So, awesome. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you next
0: week. All Bye. right, man. Bye, everybody.